The Jewish people of the New Testament times were commanded by God to be honest. In the ninth of the Ten Commandments, God said, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. And throughout the scriptures of the Old Testament, God instructs people to be honest. Just as God does not lie, and since we are made in God's image, therefore we his people should not lie. And yet, you have to consider the situation in which those people in the first century with Jesus were living. How could Jews, living under the oppression of all of the Romans, not lie? Think about it. Suppose you were in their shoes. Here come some Roman soldiers who are coming to arrest your brother and execute him. Not because he's broken a a clear-cut law, but because they're corrupt and they're the ones in power and they're going to show you who's boss and they come and invade your home and you're hiding your brother in the basement and they say, where is your brother? And you lie and you say, I don't know, he's not here. Your lie might save his life. And yet in lying, you broke God's command not to lie. Now the Romans aren't stupid. They know that Jews will lie for each other in that kind of situation. Who wouldn't? But they also know Jews are very religious people. They fear God. God told them not to lie. So they might say to the Jews, they might say, Swear to God that you don't know where your brother is. An oath or vow like this was very serious business to ancient people, especially the Jews. Now, we all probably as children on the playground swore some oaths where we said something like, promise. Do you promise? And we might say something like, cross my heart, hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye, right? What's the implication? We're saying, if I'm lying, I'm dying. You can stick a needle in my eye. Now, we're just kids. And whoever really believed that that was true? We didn't believe we were going to die if we told a lie. But the ancients did. They believed in the divine in a way that we don't comprehend in our modern world. They believed if you swore an oath, cross my heart, Hope to die. If I'm lying, I'm dying. They believed. All ancient people believed that gods would get you if you were lying. And the Hebrew people believed that there was one God who told them, do not lie. And if you swear an oath on his name and you're lying, you are in big trouble. Now that's a problem. If you live in occupied territory, what were the Jews supposed to do? Well, Jewish religious leaders came up with some workarounds so Jews could lie to the Romans and not offend God. We can deduce some of these ways of working around this 
from Jesus' own words in Matthew 23, 16 through 22. He wasn't specifically talking about this. He was sort of getting on to the Pharisees for some of the things that they said. But if we read between the lines, we can see some of the things that they might have said. They could make a vow by God's temple. As long as they didn't make a vow on the gold in the temple. Or they could make a vow by heaven. As long as they didn't make a vow by God in heaven. Little twists of terms and phrases. So these were how the Jews could make a vow where they sounded like they were being honest, but they were actually could lie and get away with it. Because, you know, the Romans might not be theologically astute enough to understand that if a Jew said, I swear by the temple then they might be okay. But if they swore by the gold of the temple, then that was bad. Or if they swear by heaven, that's one thing. Or if they swear by the God of heaven, that's another thing. So you see what I'm saying? The Jews could say these things, and the Romans would say, well, they swore by heaven. They must be telling the truth. And that was convenient. I imagine that if we found ourselves in their shoes, we could probably all appreciate the practicality of being able to lie to the enemy like that and sound as if you were speaking the truth. Kids who live in abusive households often learn to lie for similar reasons. In order to avoid abuse and unfair punishment, they may learn really quickly that it's easier to lie and cover up than to be beaten. It's a coping mechanism. They learn quick that it works in their situation. The problem for many kids who learn to lie like that because they're being abused as children is that they grow up into adults who sometimes continue to be habitual liars. They learned as children that lying works. And as adults, even when they don't have to lie, they still might do it. Even though they're no longer in an abusive situation, they still are in the habit of lying because it's sometimes more convenient. Sometimes it's just easier to lie than to explain the truth. The unfortunate Jews who lived under Roman occupation learned to be good liars. They even learned to feel good about lying by using vows to cover it up with religious language. But what was to stop them from using that same religious language to now lie to each other? Nothing. Once you justify it in one situation, it's real easy to switch over and do it in another and into this world of lies and deception, Jesus speaks the truth in his sermon on the mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. You have also heard that your ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say, by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. 
Do not even say, by my own head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just simply say, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. His preaching often started with words like we find in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2, where he said, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, the people to whom he preached, just like us, lived in the real world. The real world is a place where people lie and cheat and steal. The real world is a place where we must try to figure out if someone is telling the truth or not. Are they really being honest with us? The real world is a place where we must look at all of the bad options that are available and pick the least evil one, right? We always want to talk about how something's either right or it's wrong. But listen, we live in the real world, right? And it's usually not that clear cut. It's not that black and white. Most of the time, something is a lot more right than it is wrong. Or it's a lot more wrong than it is right. But it's usually somewhere in between right and wrong. That's the real world. You know what I mean. We live in a real world, not some fantasy. Wouldn't it be great if we lived in a fantasy where it was just so easy? It's either right or it's wrong. It's ironic, sort of, that we call the broken world we live in the real world. You ever thought about that? It's real to us because it's all we've ever known. But Jesus came to show us this isn't the way the world is supposed to be. He met our broken world head on and he challenged all its broken people and its, and its broken systems, its broken assumptions. And Jesus refused to bow down to the way things work in our broken world. It may be one of the main things that annoyed religious and political leaders the most about Jesus. That he refused to get with the program about the way things work in the real world. And so, when Jesus refused to cave in and play along by the rules of the real world... They arrested and executed him. And they threw him in a grave. And they said, you see, this is what happens to people who don't play by our rules. You die in shame and agony on a cross, and we throw your dead body in a grave. And we're done with you. But then an amazing thing happened. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day because he's Lord. Hallelujah, right? Can I get an amen? You see, in the real world, honesty and integrity might get you rejected and killed. But in the kingdom of heaven, those who follow Jesus rise to new life, eternal life. And we all have to decide which is really 
the real world to us? Is it this broken world of lies or is it the kingdom of heaven that Jesus preached? Jesus challenged his followers. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. And then he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to overthrow our broken world. And he calls his believers to have faith to live as though his kingdom is the true reality. And the so-called real world, which we believe is reality, is really a corruption and a lie that is passing away. God's kingdom is coming. And we are called to live by the kingdom's principles. And in God's kingdom, there's no reason to lie. Because there's no abuse. There's no enemy. Because the enemy's been defeated. Therefore, we should be honest people who no longer need vows to prove we're telling the truth. So the person who says, yes, is just as believable as the person who says, I swear to God, yes. In fact, if you think about it, in the kingdom of God, the person who says, yes, may be more believable than the person who makes a vow. Because why do you even need to say, I swear to God? If you have to swear to prove you're telling the truth, then it almost implies the possibility that you might have lied in those times when you didn't swear to God. In the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus is king, people are always honest. Yes means yes. No means no. And what else do you need? Some Christian denominations interpret Jesus' words about vows to mean that Christians should not make vows or oaths of any kind. For instance, Quakers, Mennonites, the Amish interpret Jesus' words in Scripture to mean that they should not make or swear oaths of any kind. In fact, George Fox, the founder of the Quaker movement, which is officially called the Religious Society of Friends, George Fox was put in prison in the 1700s because he refused to swear on the Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Ironically, Fox was a deeply religious man, and he argued the very Bible he was being compelled to swear upon required him not to swear an oath. <laughs> it was an interesting argument that he was making. Was George right? Does the Bible forbid Christians of making, from making vows and swearing oaths? I don't believe it does. That's not the point of what Jesus is saying. Besides, Jesus was involved in a trial where an oath was used. If you read, you can read about it. You've read it before. 
When Jesus was on trial before the Jerusalem High Council in the 26th chapter of Matthew, the high priest says, I demand in the name of the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus replied, you have said it. I mean, if you think about it, that's not a whole lot different from when the judge asks you, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God? And you respond... I do. Some Christian denominations see differently, but Methodists and the vast majority of Christian denominations throughout history have allowed and even encouraged Christians to make vows in certain situations, like when you get married and you say, I do. Or when you become a Christian and you join a church and you are asked, Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust in His grace and promise to serve Him as your Lord? And if you do, you say, I do. So the point is not to prohibit vows. The point is to uphold the high value of honesty and integrity among God's people in the kingdom of heaven. We should be honest people. We should be so honest that vow, a vow is not even necessary to prove to someone that we're telling the truth. Jesus reveals again, once again, that the demands of holiness and the kingdom of heaven are beyond the reach of our sinful hands. We fall so sh- far short of God's glorious standard. We don't even realize it sometimes. We're so used to living in a broken, sinful world, we don't even realize how much we sin. Jesus points out our sin, not to shame us, but to wake us up to our desperate need of salvation. Do you struggle with honesty? Are you a liar? Before you deny it, Think about that. Some of you learned to lie when you were in an abusive situation. Maybe an abusive relationship or marriage. Maybe even as a child. You couldn't be honest with your parents or with whoever. Because you couldn't do that. You couldn't be honest and survive. You learned to lie. It was a survival technique. Now you're free of that abuse, but you still cling to your habit of lying. Sometimes it's just easier to lie than tell the truth. And you need Jesus to transform your heart and to transform your mind and to transform your habits. Isn't it time to ask Jesus to heal you so you can start to value honesty like Jesus does? Some of you think you're honest. You may, be even, you may even be proud that you're honest. I'm honest. I always speak the truth. I always say it like it is. But think about it. Do you really? Have you ever laughed at someone's joke when everyone else laughed, even though you didn't think it was funny? Or you didn't get it. You didn't want to seem like 
a fool, or you were just trying to be polite? Have you ever smiled and pretended to understand when someone was talking and they had a really thick accent? You just couldn't quite get it. And you're just like, maybe you even asked them, could you say that again? And at some point you just got to the point you're like, it's too difficult. And you just sort of, oh, yeah. You just pretended like you understood. Or maybe you're getting hard of hearing in your older age And it's just easier to be like, I have no idea what they just said, but. You see, we can't fulfill it. This this thing, this about being honesty, honest all the time. Have you ever put on a little makeup? (laughs) Oh, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Not allowed to do that as a man. Okay. When we are proud of our honesty, we can see even our pride is misplaced and sinful. We have nothing to be proud of. Even our so-called righteousness is but filthy rags. But with Jesus, there is mercy and there's grace, and there's forgiveness. With Jesus, there's salvation. But we must lay down our false righteousness, and we must literally throw ourselves upon the mercy of Christ. We must repent, and we must turn to Him today, and we must seek to live by the principles of His kingdom, and not those of the so-called real world. We all have to decide what's real. Is this world we see all around us with its corrupt rules and customs the real world? Or is the real world the kingdom of heaven that Jesus taught about and showed us with his life? You must decide. Make your choice today, right now. This very moment. Let's take a few moments for quiet reflection and prayer to do just that.